Hello and welcome to 99 from 99, the movie podcast where we take you back to the past and cover 99 films or more from the year 1999. I'm your stubborn Kentuckian host, Michael Denniston, joined every week by madman of the airwaves, Ben Zook. Why take a journey to the past? Well, perhaps like you, we've looked out our window and seen the world grow smaller, colder, and scarier. Not here. So sit back, relax, and come back with us to a time when theaters were full, tickets were affordable, and there were so many good movies, you couldn't possibly catch them all. That's what this podcast is here to do. So we hope you take the entire trip with us, 99 episodes on the films from 1999. you to hit me as hard as you can i'm scared to close my eyes i see dead people i believe you have my papler now that i've met you would you object to never seeing me again this is not just a couch it's just our couch take the red pill and i show you how deep the rabbit hole goes leave the light on after bedtime I always thought it'd be better to be a fake somebody, a real nobody. Are we gonna air it? Of course not. Malkovich! What is your full name? Frankie Page. Your age? 23. And which church do you attend? I don't attend church. Are you are Catholic? No, I don't go to church because I don't believe in God. Stigmatics are deeply religious people. When Christ died on the cross, he he died with five wounds. His back was scourged by whips. There were gashes on his forehead from a crown of thorns. There were nails driven through his hands and feet. And finally, a spear driven through his side. Throughout history, only deeply devout people have been afflicted. This is a warning. I can't escape this. You lie to me. You try to silence her. If she receives another wound, she's going to die. Take me. Let me be your messenger. How's your faith these days, Father? How's your faith these days? I think I said this about Runaway Bride, the one that everyone's been waiting for. But uh, much I think it's I think it's true now, though. You know. Oh, do you? Okay. <laughs> I was about to apologize to uh, Gary Marshall and company for that uh, that insult, hoping that particular episode for uh, this one on Stigmata and Stir of Echoes. What a rousing double feature we have this time, Ben. I'm a little bit. I was a little bit more excited. I, I guess I didn't have the aura of dread uh, for this that you had. Um, <laughs> Why? Why, well, not were, seen why one. were you dreading this? Okay, so I'd not seen either one. Um, I think I had seen parts of both. I, I know for a fact that I saw the first—I don't know—ten minutes of Stigmata and tapped out at uh, some point during its its video release. Uh, and I think you've mentioned on the podcast before having this sort of like antagonistic relationship with certain films as a, as a teenager. And I just remember having a bit of a chip on my shoulder with this one because I think it was a, a fairly surprising box office hit when it released in September of 1999. And uh, so when I you know, finally laid my eyes on the first 10 minutes of it, 
I, uh, I found that incredibly disappointing and, um, yeah, just, you know, this, this type of stuff is not really for me anyway. I don't really get into, uh, the, you know, the supernatural or the sort of, uh, religious imagery we have here other than the, the, the exorcist. I don't really know if there has been one of these possession, possession type movies. I know this is not quite a possession movie that has really been something that I've been excited about. And uh, this one did not change my mind then, and uh, now that I've seen the full thing, uh, it really did not change my mind. So, was not looking forward to Stigmata, for sure. So, I take it we're going to go with Stigmata first, correct? Well, I think, I didn't really know. Uh, so these <laughs> After you've thrown on and on about it for hey, two minutes hey, here. <laughs> look, two minutes. And, and, you know, in podcast terms, that's like, you know, ten seconds. Um I so I had to actually double check myself. So these actually released on the same mm-hmm, weekend. Mm-hmm. Alphabetically, like alphabetically, I guess Stigmata would be first. So for being fair, we would. Yeah, it's a big mistake. Why? You know, they 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 would never do that today. And at the same time, they had to know that was problematic to do that in September of 1999. So why do you think they did that? <laughs> well, I wondered if Stir of Echoes had another release date. Uh, they should probably push back even further because the the comparisons with that one, mm-hmm. uh, especially opening with a child talking to, you know, in this case, the camera, but uh, in the you know the reality of the the film, he's talking to a ghost, a presence in his room. Uh, they were probably trying to get away from the sixth sense, but I don't think opening, you know, a month or so or three weeks later was probably enough distance there. Um, and I remember those those comparisons uh, not going well for uh, for this one starring Kevin Bacon. But yeah, certainly opening up against Stigmata, I just assume that they thought that uh, they had more star power over Patricia Arquette, um, and maybe they're just riding that wave of Sixth Sense uh, that they would uh, have their little ghost story perform well. But no, I, I have no idea why these two programmers. I mean, Sir of Echoes is from what Artisan? Yeah, and they don't exist who, anymore. So. so that's what like Lionsgate, but they were coming off Blair Witch, right? At that time, yeah, so they were riding high. Stigmata, I don't remember who uh, who's responsible for this this garbage, but uh, oh no, that, they no, that's art, that's Artisan. Artisan produced uh, Stir of Echoes, and then Stigmata did. Uh, it was MGM. MGM was behind two powerhouses <laughs> <laughs> going making the rounds in September. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we can start with the, you know, whichever one you think maybe, uh, is the least interesting. I don't know if that's uh, what our podcast <laughs> listeners want to hear. If you have more material on one, I will defer to you on holding back on that one. I guess. I, so I, so to me, what I find interesting is how you and I uh, approach this, uh, very differently <laughs> in, in that, you know, uh, so I saw Sigmata in, not in theaters, but, uh, when it was on its initial, home video release. And I remember the reason I checked it out was because the DVD had this kind of novelty feature where you could choose to play it with a different ending than what had been seen in theaters. And I thought that was really cool and everything. Uh, I don't remember hating it. I remember thinking it was okay. Uh, but I remember it was one that I felt uh, it was really tough to, to get all the way through. Uh, I remember starting and stopping it a few times and and that was very, <laughs> I, I did the, the same thing review. on my rewatch. Uh, <laughs> I did the same thing on my rewatch that I, that I kind of stopped it. And I think I may have even stopped it at ex- the exact same time 
that, that I did as a kid. And what I, okay. So I'm like you, I honestly really like uh, this genre. I always w- remember looking forward to the August, September, you know, budget horror movies that would come out because the, sometimes you would find some really interesting stuff. Uh, you know, during Does one that. come to mind, something better. Than uh, I here? wish I should have, I should have looked one up, but, um, <laughs> but that, that's our own little trivia. You know, this is a, another, well, much oh, like okay. I, did, I didn't see it in theaters, but the, um, the mask, the movie with the mask and the home invasion, uh, the, uh, mumblecore guy did, uh, never look what, no, um, you're next. Yeah. You're next. That was pretty good. Yeah. That's a good one. There okay. you go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll give you that. So, uh, I guess with Stigmata, I just think the premise is really limiting. Uh, like, like, I can see how the the pitch would go for this, and, and basically, once you're once you're over the whole, oh, this is a real phenomenon that has affected you know people, and it's something that the church recognizes, and there are all these people throughout the history who have experienced Stigmata and then been you know knighted into into sainthood or whatever. Um, once you get over that, you're basically left with, okay, you're just going to have a movie where you're waiting to see, you know, what horrible thing is going to happen to Patricia Arquette next. Yeah. And Torture that, porn, kind of. Kind, it, this, the beginnings of that, I, I will grant you. But I don't think, I don't think, I don't know. I don't think the filmmakers themselves had bad motives. I, I do think they were thinking they could pull something scary and effective out of this, but they probably just didn't have the insight, uh, or forward thinking, <laughs> uh, to, to realize what, you know, what it would end up being. Um, well, this is from the director of, uh, I guess a number of MC hammer videos from the early nineties. Cause when I pulled up the, I was trying to see who's responsible for this thinking that it was just someone who, you know, did genre fair of this sort, you know, in the late nineties, early two thousands. And, uh, other than The Fog, which came out in 2005 from uh, director Rupert Wainwright, uh, not so much. He's got Disney's uh, Blank Check and some music videos. So um, maybe that explained some of my uh, distaste for this, watching as an adult, because it feels like they're really throwing stylistically uh, everything at you. Uh, every Every bit of you know, cool imagery that they can think of to sort of heighten these moments where uh, Patricia Arquette is in pain in some way. Um, you know, they, they, they do it. There's the, the sequence on a subway, which just feels, it just feels endless <laughs> as far as her taking her lashings there. And uh, it very much felt like a movie that's just like yelling and shouting at me to, to pay attention to it. And uh, I just, yeah, I just found it uh pretty much uh, distasteful throughout the the entire time. Like yeah, actually if there'd been too. some levity, if there'd been a little bit of, you know humor between uh, Arquette and this uh you know the the trope of this this priest that's uh this investigator that's like lost his faith uh played by Gabriel Byrne uh maybe maybe a little bit more of that but uh then you work in this conspiracy that the you know the church is trying to hide something like the the true word of Christ and I don't know it's it's like at that point in the movie they're ready to wrap it up. So it's like they introduce these things late in the game that even they don't seem to have too much interest in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. The whole thing, even the possession stuff feels very muted. If you've watched any of these that sort of came after the, you know, the big uh, successful re-release of the exorcist, I think a year later in 2000, um, this one, you know, it feels, feels very much uh throwback to, to something that like, if I was going to show this to my younger brother, who's into these type of horror movies, 
uh, I don't think he would make it through this one. Much like yourself, I think he would find stopping points and then just you know go to one that he preferred instead that he'd already seen before. You know, and so they they they, they introduce this whole. It's not a very interesting concept, but they introduce it that she's going to get these five wounds of Christ and everything, and they can't really even stick to that. Like later in in the movie, you know, she's like hurting herself and she's talking in different voices and everything, and, and it's like, well, that was never part of the original deal, so I'm going to have right. to, you know, like, like this is, uh, uh, you know, it's it's like it's like I don't like the original premise but it somehow makes me even more upset the fact that they couldn't just stick to it. <laughs> <laughs> Very successful then, Stigmata. Uh, wh- why do you think this was such a, a hit when it came out? I it don't to, know. Just under $20 million. I Very don't surprising. know. Normally something like this, you can point towards the star and say, okay, they were an obvious draw at this time. That's why Stigmata wins out over Stir of Echoes and, and unseats uh, Sixth Sense in its fourth uh, week of release or whatever uh, from the number one spot. Uh, I really don't know. I guess it was, ju- you know, just a lame week. Why, why is Good Boys uh, number one uh, on the box office uh, as of this recording? Who knows? <laughs> well, Jacob uh, Tremblay and company obviously have more star power than uh, Kate Blanchett. You know, they just, he's just got more respect from mainstream uh, audiences. I, I don't know. Uh, an easy hook. I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, this one, that would be it. This one is coming in a, a dead period, um, which is strange. Like that is something that, I guess, with the uh, you know the constant event or the attempts to be event filmmaking to get butts and seats. Now you don't really see too many of these like dead weekends. Like I do, I do remember like Labor Day was like basically catch up on everything that you didn't see this summer. Like <laughs> take your pick. If you missed something, uh, check it out because the the weekend prior to this was. Uh, Let's see, we had two films uh, in wide release that we chose not to cover. Chill Factor. Uh, don't think I've ever seen that. Is that the one with Cuba Gooding Jr.? Cuba Gooding Jr. and Skeet Ulrich. Uh, I don't remember right. hating it. And then there's another movie that comes out around this time that I actually remember liking quite a bit, uh, Outside Providence with Sean Atassi and Alec Baldwin. Uh, I actually caught up yeah. with that one on video and liked that as well, but uh, probably had no, no, we no should really We it. should talk more with each other. Uh, we would probably <laughs> we, we, could, these, we could have avoided these stigmata together. altogether. <laughs> um. oh, I saw a guy who got a two-inch needle stuck into his arm while he was under hypnosis, didn't feel king. Okay, Kreskin, prove it. <clears throat> Hypnotize somebody. Yeah, do me. No. Come on. What's the worst that can happen? Close your eyes. Close your eyes. I know that song. Are you okay? I see a red door and I want He hasn't gone to work. He sleeps like 12 hours a night. Why are you digging? The man's switch got flipped. He's a receiver now. She's taking him away. She was here. What's the problem? He can't stop it. He can't slow it down. He can't even figure it out. No! Whatever door you open in my mind, I want you to shut it. 
Well, that's something that uh, I think you mentioned in our wood, the wood episode, as far as, you know, picking things that uh, seem outside the scope, uh, certainly of most uh, film podcasts. And I mean, we've, we have done that with uh, the, the inspector gadget, I think is our top uh, grocer that we avoided, but you know, I, I thought stigmata and serve echoes would be kind of interesting uh, to discuss why I, I guess this is a way for me to transition out of stigmata into serve echoes. Cause I was hoping having not seen it in full, that I would like this one a lot more than Stigmata, so I could you know go to bat for the one that grossed five million dollars as opposed to eighteen on the same weekend. But um, yeah, I just I don't know. Like I, maybe it's because I'm reliving nineteen ninety nine in film, but I don't. <laughs> I probably did it a disservice twenty years later by watching it you know a week or two after seeing uh, Sixth Sense again, and. It just, yeah, it's just not not good. It's not a fair fight with those two, uh, watching them in any sort of close proximity. So what what, what about you and uh, Stir of Echoes? What was your take this time around? So unlike you, I had actually revisited Stir of Echoes relatively recently. And, and I, I think the deal is I just always forget the ending for whatever reason. And so it makes me think, you know, oh, yeah, I should check that out again. It'll probably be a surprise <laughs> to me again. And, and it always is. Because uh, I kind Doesn't of, sound kind in a of, good way, though. Well... Yes and no. I don't know. Okay, so unlike you, I enjoy it. I, I think it's good. I would say it's a decent pop boiler horror movie. This is kind of, I would say this is kind of a good example of one of those you know budget horror movies that can come out at the end of summer and be pretty decent. It it definitely suffers from comparisons to the sixth sense. And and one of the things that I find really funny because I this isn't the first time I've done this where you go back and you watch a bunch of movies from one year all in the order they came out. Uh, I've done this before, and I do always find that there will always be a case of a movie that gets really undervalued uh, because it comes out in really close proximity to a a sort of staple uh, of its of its genre. And so about a year ago. I watched a bunch of movies from 1990 and I didn't realize it, but there's this movie called state of grace with Sean Penn that opens like the week of Goodfellas. And basically they're both gangster films. So state of grace just gets completely overlooked and is compared very unfavorably uh, to, to, to Goodfellas, but it's a really, it's a really strong film and something, you know, you should check out. And I think Cerevecas is in a similar case. It's not, you know, great by any means, but I think you divorce it from that comparison and it's decent. The The movie I would compare it to thematically more so than The Sixth Sense would be uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And I know at one point you and I discussed that you never have never seen Close Encounters of the Third Kind, but basically in Close Encounters... Richard Dreyfuss' character, you know, goes down a rabbit hole where he finds himself becoming more and more obsessed with, you know, a uh, supernatural phenomenon, let's say, and and becoming very distant and detached from his family life. And we see the same thing here, and they don't exactly pay it off, in, in, you know, in a, in a significant way, but they do some decent stuff. I like the second to last scene, and I don't know if we can give if we can give that away at this point or not is that a spoiler i i mean i think if you get that far into it yeah you probably are giving something away so if you want to 
Oh yeah, let's give a spoiler spoiled. alert to the to the most surprising movies of 1999: Stir of Echoes and Stigmata. You you won't see it coming. Um, Stigmata currently streaming on Hulu and Star of Echoes uh, on Stars. That's how I watch go. them. So there you go. I I really doubt people are going to rush out and pay for a month of Stars for Star of Echoes because of this podcast. But you know, if you're, if you're that inclined, uh, there you go. There's where you can see it. So, uh, so the second to last scene after everything's wrapped up, and we have all these kind of lingering conflicts between Kevin Bacon, the husband, and his wife, played by Catherine uh, Irby. And they're moving, it's set up, and we have this nice little shot that's moving closer to this U-Haul, and they're both walking back and forth, you know, obviously moving stuff and everything. And then at the very end, we see them kind of touch hands and then kind of pull away. You know, it's a nice little subtle touch that it kind of says, okay, these, you know, these two people, you know, really love each other and everything, but, you know, the, maybe, they're, maybe they're out of the woods, maybe they're not kind of deal. The movie doesn't really go into it. Uh, you know, nice, decent little touches. And, and then it has the final shot, which I kind of don't care for, you know, going back to the kid who, you know, has been hearing things and, and, you know, from ghosts and stuff, uh, which, you know, I just feel like they could have dropped at that point. Uh, it's not necessary. Going for a dark ending, uh, which I didn't necessarily mind because it's not like the kid's freaking out about it. Uh, but it's, um, I guess it it keyed into the only thing I really liked about Star of Echoes, which was, and I wish they hadn't gone back to it like midway through, but there's, when you open on this couple, you know, Kevin Bacon's basically like, he's kind of defending like his passion as a young man, uh, musically mm-hmm. and not apologizing, but you could, you could read it that way, but he's basically, you know, trying to say like, look, I didn't. I didn't realize like, you know, that I was just going to be a normal guy. Like, you know, I, I, I was truly committed uh, to this thing. It wasn't just, you know, just wasn't like a lark or just, you know, I, I'm just a guy who likes music and was just doing it haphazardly. Um, unfortunately, they, they kind of go back to that. Like he, he repeats it when after he's dug up their backyard because this ghost or this haunting in their house is telling him to, to dig. Um, and you know, he reiterates it like, you know, this, what he's doing now is the most important thing in, in his whole life. And I didn't really like that. They decided to like bring that back up. Cause I liked how we open on that couple that, you know, he's kind of dissatisfied, kind of unhappy. And at this point, uh, I have seen close encounters. So when you were talking about <laughs> it, I'm like, man, that doesn't, there's nothing in this that comes close to that mashed potato scene and close encounters. No, uh, no, at all. but it's, it's uh, heading in the similar territory, you know, and that's also wise. like an, an epic kind of in scope, uh, what we're dealing with as mm. far as it is, you know, world changing the events in that film, as opposed to, you know, this is going to stay in that neighborhood, um, but it, I didn't mind the ending so much just because the, you know, the father, you know, this is done. This is the biggest thing that's going to happen to him, but his kid, <laughs> this really isn't that big of a deal. Like this, <laughs> finding this, this dead body in their house, solving in a roundabout way, this, this murder, this conspiracy among, uh, neighborhood families. Um, you know, this is something that the child is just going to deal with all his life. So I didn't really mind it, but I felt like the way they were trying to play it was to give you like, you know, it's like the hand coming out of the grave yeah, of Carrie yeah. or something. I didn't really like that. I, if it was, if everything was just a little more dialed down and muted in this, which unfortunately that's where my comparisons kept going back to the Sixth Sense was, I was like, wow, they just kind of let things play 
in that film and it is you know it's it's confident and and it's sort of steady pace and just like the silence and letting moments play out um it i mean it's unfair but yeah it's, it's it was definitely on my mind i did see that you know reading up uh, apparently everyone seemed to really like kevin bacon's performance in this uh, that seemed to be the one thing people could agree on and i i i think stylistically i just like the film itself i just didn't dig it it's just like too too twitchy for me too you know just just too too broad uh in his reactions to the thing i actually preferred the uh the, the woman that plays the the mother and the wife here uh Catherine Irby who i one of those faces i recognized but couldn't really place and that's because apparently she was on one of the law and orders for like a decade so so that's why but yeah she's in the movie that i want to see and Kevin Bacon and pretty much everyone else in the neighborhood is in the movie that you're actually getting. You see, I like them both. Uh, you know, I, I enjoy them both here. And I, and I think it's interesting to see a couple who you like both of them and you empathize with both of them. Uh, but you see that they have some real, you know, trust issues and they're not exactly able to handle this uh, conflict very well with each other. <laughs> This is where it happened. This is where I saw her. You know, I was sitting like right here. I reached up for the you remote and I leaned back, and there she different. was. She's like, like kind of eighteen, right? Long, longish, longish right kind of hair. Is, is that what I you mean, saw? I wish you Imagine, could. please. <sighs> or, or, or maybe you don't see her, huh? Is, is it you just hear her? Is that what it is? You, you just hear her, but you don't see her. Tom, stop! You see, I've been sitting here trying out. to figure out a way that I can make her come back. You know, I mean, I'm just thinking maybe if I just if I hang I'm out here long you. enough, you know, maybe she'll just come back, this or maybe you you could talk to me. It's like I'm not even sitting here, buddy. Please, hey, come on, hey. Problem here, Knock huh? it off! I don't want to talk about this because it scares mommy. Uh, I would say the element of the movie, and it's only a few brief scenes that I don't like, is so they try to find in the script something for her to do while he's obsessing with this ghost, and she goes to a cemetery with her kid, and at the cemetery there's a weird cop who uh, takes a weird interest in uh, the kid. And, you know, I know it's the late 90s, but I don't think things have changed that much. I think a mother uh, would probably not react uh, this way <laughs> to a random stranger <laughs> saying weird things about uh, her kid. He's probably only getting that much rope because he is in a police uniform at a funeral for it appears to be like a fallen <laughs> officer. That's I, I'm giving her the benefit of the doubt. That's the only reason <laughs> she's but then, engaging but then, with this but guy. Then, but, then, but then she goes out later, and we discover that this guy yeah. is like moonlighting as a metaphysical hippie or something. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and ultimately, what does she learn story-wise about this whole thing? Not much. It doesn't really interact. It doesn't really impact the rest of the movie at all. And so I'm just, I'm just wondering why they even left, let it in, left it in. I think that's something – like you would have a nice little 90-minute movie mm -hmm. uh, without those two scenes – uh, with the weird cop. So I don't know. Yeah. Cause she doesn't really like seem to buy in until no. there's a phone call, uh, that's going to let her know that her grandmother's passed away. And, and Kevin Bacon, I guess almost spoils that for her. She realizes that he knows before she even receives the phone call. So yeah, you, I mean, that's a valid point on your end. Like if that, if that's the scene where you're going to have her finally start to confront like what's happening to her family or to no longer have the doubts that she had yeah you probably don't need to weird the weird cop down the alleyway <laughs> who won't let her into their their club of, of people that, that speak to the dead but overall overall it's one i enjoy i enjoy it much more than stigmata um and and to be honest i you know i was really i was really surprised that that stigmata grossed uh you know one out this weekend here 
uh, by such a dramatic, you know, number, um, I would think Sir of Echoes would be a more crowd pleasing movie today for people. I was, I was a fan of the trigger effect. Uh, yeah. I like that uh, film. previously. It has a bad uh, ending, but it, but that's a, that move that the trigger effect has like a really strong opening scene mm-hmm. that I've always yes. thought that someone should, should steal, steal that and put it into, you know, another movie. Uh, cause it is so effective. This long opening scene that, that, that goes into all these people who are, you know, going to this movie theater and everything. And, you know, it's a really good, like hyperlink, uh, film opening. So I guess uh, in that way, uh, David Cope, that's how you pronounce his name. It's actually Cap. I always thought it was Cope. It is actually Cap. It is David Cap. Cap. Okay. I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, well, he, he finally defeated uh, Wainwright here. who uh, Rupert Wainwright, who I, the name is close enough to, there's a, I think he's Canadian singer, Rufus yeah. Wainwright. Mm-hmm. And actually, for a second, that was the only thing that I found mildly interesting about Stigmata was I was like, wait a minute, did that singer like make a horror movie one time and then it's like threw up his hands like, no, not for me. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. But no, completely different guy who uh, um, has not had the, uh, I guess, the probably as lucrative as career as Mr. Cap has is uh, working with Spielberg on and off. But um, I don't know. I, I can't say I've seen too much of his other uh, filmography here. I didn't. I didn't see the uh, Stephen King adaptation with uh, Johnny Depp, Secret Window. So I, I have. It's really bad. It's one of the. It's it's one of the worst Stephen King film mm. film adaptation. It really something. it really kind of marks a turning point in Johnny Depp's career because up until that point, I think audiences were just willing to check out anything that that he was in. But really, that like that would be the turning point. That's a really bad film, and it's it's a hundred percent you know, focused on depth. And so it makes it, it makes it all the worse, um, for him. Well, I don't know if you're going to like this, uh, looking at his, uh, next film, it's in post-production. Uh, he is going back to the, well, on uh, a screenwriter traveling to a remote house in the Alps, uh, so that he can write a sequel to a big hit film begins to regret his decision after suffering from a severe case of writer's block. So I've not seen secret window, but, uh, sort of doubling back to maybe some of that territory, but Kevin Bacon uh, is in this film. I don't know if he's playing the screenwriter, but that's uh that's in post production. That's that sounds like Mr. something Cap. I would, that sounds like something I would like to like to well, watch. Good. So you know, all right. Um, well, on a positive note, then. Well, we're not that. over. We're not over yet. We're oh gonna, God! You know, don't I tell me you want to go back to Stigmata. <laughs> I want to go back to Stigmata because oh, I God. find it I find it so funny in the beginning of that film how how Gabriel Byrne is like the worst uh, investigator ever. And he basically, well, you've got two wounds of Christ, but you're an atheist. So you know what? I'm going to see a show, uh, go and, and leave town. Um, you know, he's just looking for any excuse not to, not to follow through on uh, Patricia Arquette's whole storyline. And it's Which, really, look, really there's something there. Like, if you really want to have a difference in these two films, I would like to see the one where you have a guy that's charged with investigating all this crazy shit who cannot be bothered to raise even the bare amount of interest. Like <laughs> there's something I'd like to see. There are probably not people that are paying their good money to see Stigmata on opening weekend, which there were a you know, good number of, but um, he was, uh, you know, this is going back to stuff you've introduced the show. Uh, he was nominated for a Razzie for this, for worst supporting actor. Which I don't think is fair. I don't think he's what's the matter with, with the movie. I mean, it's the script, you know, I don't, I don't think either of them 
uh, Patricia Arquette or Gabriel Byrne are, are bad. I mean, they're not, they're, they're irremarkable. They're not memorable, but you know, neither of them are bad. Does it comfort you that he lost to uh, Ahmed Best as Jar Jar Binks? A bit, but I, th- you know, I th- so he he shared that Razzie nomination for his performance in another movie uh, called End of Days, oh. which we will have oh, on the ninety nine. Oh, so looking forward to this. Uh, After schedule, watching Stigmata, so. I was like, I can't wait. I was like, let's bring on End of Days. I was like, because that's one I think I could have fun watching. Uh, I've not seen it since I was a teenager, but uh, that is one. Unlike this double feature, I'm really looking forward to to checking that out again with adult eyes. Yeah, and I think I think the Razzies get upset when they see an actor play like similar roles in similar movies or whatever. Mm. And so I think that's probably why uh, Gabriel Byrne got that nomination, which you know, which is stupid. We've been railing it's like on the, the Wikipedia <laughs> says uh, that he lost to uh, the man who played Jar Jar Binks. Like, <laughs> as if I think that's the victory, right? Like, I don't know if you want to accumulate wins uh, in the Razzies, but there have been some actors that have actually attended and like sort of celebrated, like, I guess being the worst for that year. Yeah. Not, none that I can think of. Didn't Mel Gibson show up at some point? I don't know. He might, he seems like someone that probably would have, he had, you know, he had the big thing for uh, the Stooges. I remember him being kind of into that sort of broad, goofy comedy. I think Sandra Bullock did. Yeah, uh, for year. all about Steve. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in Stigmata, I really enjoy in a bad way the scene with uh, with our friend from Eyes Wide Shut, the uh, c- costume shop owner, who shows up here, and I'm not even sure what he's supposed to be doing. <laughs> yeah, what and he's like, he's like, why? He's like pacing up the altar back and forth, going, "I love Jesus," and then going on and on and on. Look around you, Father. What do you see? I see a church. It's a building. The true church of Jesus Christ is so much more. Not in buildings made of wood and stone. I love Jesus. I don't need an institution between him and me. You see, just God and man. Even Gabriel Byrne just doesn't know what to make of it. But somehow it's like played up as, as he gives him, you know, some vital piece of information that, the, you know, that allows Byrne to go back. And I don't even know what's happening at the end. I don't know why. So he's like saying yeah. this prayer for her. Why didn't he just say that prayer? You know, the beginning yeah, of the movie. So the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the sort of rainbow uh, costume shop owner here. Um, it seems it, it's like just shoehorned in because it's like they don't want to offend people uh, who, for whatever reason, have bought a ticket uh, to see this thriller based around, uh, you know, religious imagery and, and theories and stuff from the the Bible uh, by like sort of absolving everyone and condemning the Catholic church. I guess they're like, Jesus is good, you know, but the system, you know, the structure in place around it, you know, this man-made structure, that's bad. Let's get rid of that. Um, I, you know, I, I have to admit, Ben, like when you're asking about the, you know, the mechanics within the film, uh, I, I had totally checked out. Like I was just sort of amused by this guy <laughs> showing up, but I'm not really, you know, I'm, I'm really in that the version of Gabriel Burns' performance I want, where I'm just like halfway listening, just sort of amused by my, you know, lot in life. But I, I have, I have no, I, no idea like why anything happens or like, you know, why it's resolved a certain way. I, I, you know, he walks through the fire. He takes the leap of faith. That's. That's about it. And the, the big grand gesture he makes to this woman. All right. There you have it. <laughs> Look, and, I tried to uh, end on a positive note, and you just wanted to get that one last jab in. Well, you uh, know, I just felt Catholic like we didn't Church, really get to discuss it too much. I, I also really want to meet these people who are like basing 
you know, their, their thinkings and feelings about the Catholic church around the, the storyline of stigmata that, that they need to be like comforted and reassured. Yeah. You know, I, just... <laughs> it, it's, it's definitely like a pompous take from filmmakers. They're like, Oh, well, <laughs> you know, we do, we need to put this in. Cause otherwise we could, we could bring down <laughs> the, the whole idea of Christ. And it's like, no, you're just, you're just a stupid thriller that, uh, all the critics hated, but, uh, you were a financial success. Um, I suppose if this came out later, there would have been, you know, five or six stigmatas on like, you know, sci-fi channel straight to video. But I don't know. I don't know if this one got a, a sequel. How, what, what, like, what would you even do? Like, it's just like, well, I know. It happens to someone else. You know, it's just like Saw. Someone else goes through the, the, the Jesus torture games, I guess. And, uh, you know, then you have Gabriel Byrne who just, if he can be. Uh, bought to if he if he'll come back maybe he just gets increasingly uh more interested as time goes on enough to actually pay attention to these poor people uh yeah it's bad it's bad and i'm i'm glad it's over i would say it's one of the worst ones it, it would be on the bottom 10 for me right now and 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 i mean you know like i said you and i had totally different takes on stir of echoes you know i would i would nowhere near classify those these two together in terms of quality no, I mean uh, it's more of like mild disappointment, and uh, for me at least, and what Stir of Echoes like. There's some interesting uh, ways you could take that, as far as like the little family dynamic they have, or the the sort of neighborhood dynamic of like protecting your own and sort of and having this like you know this circle of wagons sort of mentality with outsiders that they they kind of dip their toes in the water. Um, you know, what they really needed was the the guy from Eyes Wide Shut show up in the neighborhood and give a big speech uh, about <laughs> like <laughs> everyone else sucks, only us. We keep it keep it in house, keep it in the neighborhood. If they wanted to make it like a gangster movie version of a, of a haunted house thing, I think it would have been fine with that. But no, I, I I had that thought with Stigmata. I'm like, this is probably the worst thing I've watched for this this podcast because I don't I don't know if I could honestly recommend like any single element of it for someone to like check it out. I, I don't think there is. Even the look of it is so it's that bleach bypass look mm. that that uh, probably probably a famous example would be Minority Report from a few years after this, and and I but I think that you know it doesn't really serve the film very well, and I do think they went way too far with the effect, and it just makes the movie have like a very hard uh, digital look, and you and you just kind of feel empty uh, while you're watching it. You know, at least that was my my experience. And, you know, I do think I do think people tend to pick up on these things, you know, intrinsically. And yeah, just a movie that doesn't really seem to be in control of itself or, or you know, like like basically it was just I, I think it was like an inevitable thing that someone would try and do like a stigma a movie based on these stigmata, you know, stories or whatever. But I don't know. The better way I think the better way to do it would have been to actually take one of these stories about someone who, you know, who was uh, brought, who was made a saint or whatever in the Catholic church and, and who had stigmata happen to them. There'd be a lot more interest, I think uh, that way. And you wouldn't just be waiting for, you know, the next harmful, violent thing to happen to Patricia Arquette. Well, we'll have to wait for, I guess, proud supporter of the Razzies, Mel Gibson to take up that quest. He might make that movie and I'd watch it. It'd be fine. Well, you know, okay, I go. I see where you're going with that, but I, I do want to say that you know, I think Passion of the Christ is, is has far, far different names than Stigmata. So, I mean, I wasn't a big fan of Passion of the Christ, but if he was going to make like a thriller, 
I think I would like I would like to see Mel Gibson, certainly Mel Gibson's version of Stigmata. Pretty much anyone's, but Mel Gibson, yeah. Let's let's let him tackle this. I'm looking at my list of 1999. For me, it's going to be this or Wild Wild West, and maybe it's not the worst. I, I think I did. And <laughs> I don't don't want to say enjoy, uh, but I think it's less less obnoxious than Wild Wild West. So that's that's the disappointment of this episode. We do not have currently a new worst of the year for me with I, this this one. I think I'm more forgiving of really bad horror films than I am. Uh, of films in other genre. I don't know why that is. I mean, I mean, there tends to be so much, uh, you know, bad low budget, like horror movies and everything. And not that stigmata is that, but I think just because there is so much of that in the, in the genre, you, you it's really hard to make something, you know, truly remarkably and memorably bad, uh, in, in the horror film genre. Uh, but I mean, people have done it. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but it, it's in the bottom 10 for sure. But. It's making me miss uh, Lily Taylor and uh, Yonda Bond's The Haunting. It really is. I was going to say that. I was going to say I'd much rather have watched uh, The Haunting a second time than than watch uh, Stigmata. Um, you know, that movie has more going for it for longer than than Stigmata has. So, so I don't have it in front of me, but I can quickly pull it up. Do you want me to uh, quiz, quiz you me. on what's coming up I next? I think I know okay. what it is. Yeah, this one uh, was wildly successful in 1999, uh, but I don't know how many people will be uh, producing podcasts on it or admitting to enjoying it now, uh, mainly because uh, our uh, lead performer here is uh, in Hollywood exile right now. I hope he stays there. I really do. Um, and, and that'll be like, I really do foresee that we will have like two discussions um, when we talk about this movie next week, that there will be the discussion, mm. uh, you know, we, I think we should have a discussion about what it means for something like this to happen to a famous movie and how it should be viewed going forward from it. And then we'll have the, the discussion about the movie itself. And the movie is of course, American beauty, you know, starring Kevin Spacey, Annette Benning, Thor Birch, Wes Bentley, Chris Cooper, uh, Allison Janney, Mena Suvari and winner of Best Picture, and I believe four other Oscars this year. And, you know, so this will be a really, this should be one of our hallmark discussions, I think. I tend to try and look at things from an objective point of view, and objectively, I would say that American Beauty is, you know, the film of 1999. So that'll be, that should at the very least be an interesting discussion. Okay. Uh, I will try to, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> go by that agenda of we're just going to do this. <laughs> we're going to do this once as far as, you know, the, the trials of uh, Kevin Spacey 20 years later. But uh, yeah, I think that'll be, that'll be a fun episode because I removing all of that. I don't remember the last time I actually watched the film itself. Me neither. Um, so yeah, this one will be kind of fresh, uh, a fresh watch. It's not going to be uh, old conversation for me that I'm just repeating myself. Hopefully don't think I've ever covered it on a podcast. So be the first time for uh, 99 for 99. And if you'd like to continue the conversation with us, feel free to do so on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at 99from99.